All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for year three, year four of this absolutely ridiculous Eagles show we do here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's Eagles Enemies and uh, making his annual appearance. Underground with me is the man, the myth, the legend, and our Stillers guy, Wes Euler. What's going on, brother? Stillers guy. You can tell we've been doing this for a while. (laughs) I'm, I'm good, buddy. I'm happy to be back. I... I guess it's like my favorite part of the Steelers and the Eagles playing in the preseason every year is that we still get to do these things. I still get to catch up with my Philadelphia brethren. I got my WIP t-shirt on today. Um, So it gives me something to get excited about for preseason, which is always good. Exactly. And you guys got the preseason started off early because you played in the Hall of Fame game. So I got to ask, do you like the early preseason start? Um, In the sense of content, I do. I mean, you know, like like doing shows, all these things. It is nice to have something else to talk about than uh, besides oh, James Pierre looked really good in practice today. Or, you know, oh, man, Deontay Johnson dropped the pass. Is that going to be a problem like it was last year? It's nice to actually, you know, I'm, I'm off for today and then, then training camp. Obviously, day after games, they get a, a rest from training camp and then we're back at it. Um, it'll be nice to actually have tangible conversation about Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and some of the depth guys and, and what we think is going to happen at linebacker and cornerback where there's still some, some battles to be settled. So yeah, I'm not one of those, like you won't see me. I don't manufacture a bunch of enthusiasm about the preseason, but at the same time, um, from the content perspective, it is, it is certainly welcome this time of year when you've kind of been, you know, just regurgitating the same topics all summer. Totally, and I mean, you guys started off kicking the Cowboys' teeth in, so that's always. I know you like that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, and you know, Hall of Fame. I guess if you are going to have to get excited about a preseason game, the Hall of Fame game is the one to do so. It is mm-hmm. the pageantry's there. You know, last night on the broadcast, they've got Peyton Manning and John Lynch, a bunch of guys joining the broadcast for different quarters. At least it's fun from that standpoint. Totally, and. Uh, you got your first look at uh, your shiny new toy, Najee Harris. Yeah, absolutely. Few carries, all right. And I think after about the second or third carry, I was like, all right, that's good. That's enough. Um, but we have certainly, man, just being at training camp every day, gotten a real good look at him. Um, Kyle, I don't know how good he's going to be. You know, I think a lot of people are putting the, oh, going to be Lev Bell. Oh, going to be like like rookie Zeke Elliott. And those are pretty lofty expectations. Um, but I'll tell you this much. He is going to hit the ground. You know, September 12th, the the, the opener against uh, the Bills up in Buffalo. He's going to be productive. He's going to hit the ground running, ready to play game one. I think he will obviously get better. And, you know, he'll, he'll really hit his stride down the stretch. But a lot of that hype is real. Um, he has been outstanding. You know, in, in training camp settings, right, you're, you're just looking for guys to pop. And, and he has certainly done that both uh, on the ground and both his ability uh, to catch the ball out of the backfield as well. His pass protection was something that people talked about at Alabama. Eh, it's okay. He looks like there's a real onus on him wanting to be one of those elite pass protecting running backs. And we know that quite often is the difference between the best three, four, five guys in the league and everybody else, your ability to protect on third down as well too. Seems like the real deal. And, uh, and yes, yeah, certainly everybody is excited here because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those yinzer things. It's one of those stellar things, right? <laughs> um, fans here, they want the team to play good defense and to run the football. That's, that's what they want. And the defense has been there the past few years. Um, heck, four straight years they've led the NFL in team sacks. Um, but the run game has not been. It's been kind of falling off year by year. Uh, and last year, 32 dead last out of 32 teams in the NFL. You could definitely tell there was was priority in getting that moving back in the right direction this offseason. The offensive line is still a big question mark, obviously. Uh, but Najee Harris, like I said, he is he's going to be ready to go game one, and he's he's going to have an impact right away. He's he's the real deal. Do you think there was any concern like when Najee Harris was drafted? Because everybody puts those like tags on, you know, the Ohio State quarterbacks don't translate to the NFL. Right. The Alabama running backs don't translate to the NFL. Was there any like hesitancy that you? saw or heard you know around uh Steelers Nation about drafting an Alabama running back and you know just the the pedigree of running backs you guys have had too have been just as good as the wide receivers that you guys are able to find off the street was there any uh concern about drafting an Alabama running back yeah I don't know about the Alabama and you know what it's funny anytime people bring up optimism as it relates to Dwayne Haskins somebody always brought well when was the last time there was a good Ohio State quarterback out there right and you can't say Joe Burrow that doesn't count um I I, I don't think there's been as much of that as it relates to Alabama with Najee I would imagine the last two years that Derrick Henry have probably have had Mm -hmm. has helped in that conversation as well too 
But there was definitely a, a faction of the fan base, even somewhere in Pittsburgh, where in 2021 we still want to run the football like crazy. Um, there, were, there were certainly a lot of people who did the whole, hey, you just don't take a running back in the first round. It, it, it's not the proper value, right? You, you want your first round pick to be a guy that can be with the organization for a decade. Um, you don't want to have to worry about your first round pick falling apart in five, six years. Um, and it's a real value conversation, right? Everyone wants to talk about value. Your first round pick, the value, value, value is not there for a running back. And that is certainly a, a, an easy and I think valid argument to make in a lot of different avenues, right? But you got to go situationally, team by team. Um, I think like you and I could sit here and say, yeah, the Giants taking Saquon Barkley in the first round, fifth overall, probably wasn't the greatest value. If the Steelers are picking in the 20s, not in the mm -hmm. top five, not in the top 10. We know how bad the run game has been for this team that has shown the ability to throw the football, that has shown the ability to play good defense the last few years. Feels like that was really the missing piece. And for me, Kyle, that whole conversation of value, I mean, let's face it. This is probably going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last season. If not, he plays one more year. Okay. And, and let's do that hypothetical. Let's say Ben plays in 2022 as well. Whenever it's Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or the next guy who's in college right now, or maybe even the next Steelers quarterback who's still in high school right now, don't you think there's going to be value in having second or third year Najee Harris in the prime of his career in the backfield when you're trying to work in that next quarterback? I mean, it reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson comes in and he's established with Marshawn Lynch. Jared Goff comes in and he's established with Todd Gurley. We all saw the rookie season that Dak Prescott was able to have with that offensive line and with Zeke Elliott in the backfield. To me, if, if Najee Harris six, seven years from now is not on the Steelers, or he's kind of broken down and maybe he's a backup, you know, he's a Lev Bell, right? Like he's kind of bouncing around and trying to find a home. If two, three years from now, he is a catalyst in that transition from Ben Roethlisberger to whoever the next quarterback is, buddy, I don't know if you can have much more value than that. Like a, a, a good offensive line and a good run game is the number one benefit to a young quarterback in the NFL, I think, point blank, period. If you've got an established offensive line, if you can run the football, you know, I, I, I gave a couple examples there. We could continue to go down the list of these young quarterbacks who have come into the league. Look at Baker Mayfield and what they did with that offensive line and with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and how much better the Browns and Baker Mayfield have looked. I think the examples go on and on. I think the Steelers are trying to lay that groundwork here of revamping the offensive line, of having a solid run game, not only to help Ben Roethlisberger as he ages, obviously, uh, and not having him throw the ball 50 times a game like he was last year at age 39 and with that elbow, but it's also, Kyle, to me, it brings value to whoever the next guy is to try and, you know, to start the next era of Steelers football, to be the next Steelers franchise quarterback. I I think it's a fine pick. Again, if, if the Steelers were taking Najee Harris 10th overall, I, I might be singing a different tune, but from where they selected in the draft and kind of, just where they are, if you look, just evaluate, if you take away the running back in the first round and just evaluate purely where the Steelers are, I think it made a lot of sense. All right. Do you think, did you think Ben Roethlisberger would be the last one standing from oh. the 2004 draft class? <laughs> I did not, especially because I'm sure you've heard this. Um, up until this summer, his kind of lack of off-season programs was kind of legendary, right? Everyone would always joke. Uh, Ben's idea of the offseason is he does yoga once a week and maybe he'll walk on the golf course instead of taking a cart, right? Maybe maybe he'll walk with a caddy instead of taking a cart every once in a while. Um, that was true. Now, that's changed. Obviously, the elbow surgery getting to his late 30s, that's changed. Um, but, yeah, I am surprised, w without a doubt, especially and, – and you know how this works. It, it was always probably going to be one of the quarterbacks. It was probably always going to be Eli or Ben or Phillip Rivers that, that played the longest. That's just – feels like, you know, other than maybe a kicker or a punter, you've right. got the longest possible longevity. When you consider the style of play that those guys played, like it felt like Ben played the most aggressive, stand mm -hmm. in the pocket, take hits. Um, I know Phillip Rivers had some injury concerns. I know Eli Manning had his moments as well too. But, you know, it felt like Ben every single year something was wrong. You know, everyone makes the joke. You see the pictures all the time, uh, whether it be PFT or just anyone on Twitter like with Ben with like ice bags around him, you know, walking through the middle of the field at training camp. Um, so it is surprising to me in that regard. I did not think that Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, if he plays one more year, he'll play into his forties. He just never struck me as that kind of guy. He didn't strike me as the, the Tom Brady psycho, you know, who wanted to play football 
until he literally couldn't anymore. Would like, you know, talking about how he wants to play till he's 44, 45 years old. Ben never just struck me as that guy. But I do think, Kyle, I don't think Ben's alone in this. I think last year really, a lot of these veterans, I think last year really kind of rejuvenated their love of the game, if that makes sense. In a, in a sense of a lot of things they took for granted over their 10-year, 12-year, 15-year NFL careers were different last year. They didn't get the camaraderie of being with their teams and being in the team meetings all the time. That was done virtually. They didn't get to sit in the cafeteria and hang out with their coaches and their teammates and eat lunch every day. They weren't allowed in team cafeterias last season. They didn't have 70,000 black and gold clad fans or 70,000 midnight green clad fans screaming and going nuts on Sundays every time they make a play. I think for a lot of these veteran guys, they missed that stuff. Like they realized, wow, man, so much of why we love this game, the camaraderie with our teammates, being a part of an organization in the fabric of a city, going out and doing community outreach, having the love from the fans on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever you're playing. I think for guys like Ben Roethlisberger, for guys like Cam Hayward, you know, the guys that have been around for a long time, I think it really kind of reinvigorated their desire to get all right all right you know what I'm excited I want to get back out here I want to have these fans scream I want to be able to have a normal NFL season I think that played into it for a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who was you know getting towards the the let's say much closer to teeing off on the 18th green than he is to to still being on the front nine of his career totally and uh you know you brought up Tom Brady do you think Ben's on the TB12 diet <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know if he'll go that. I can't see Ben doing avocados and kale and all that stuff. But I will say, Kyle, he definitely did. It wasn't like some big swimsuit. It wasn't some big swimsuit model makeup. Oh, my goodness. Right. Ben Robinson. Get him on the biggest loser. He lost 50 pounds. Um, but but he definitely he definitely looks a little he, – he looks more trim, um, looks a little more <laughs> like an athlete. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Very true. <laughs> and, and so you can definitely tell there, there was an onus. I think last summer he spent so, – he's talked about this too – spent so much time just purely rehabbing his elbow that he didn't focus on a lot of other stuff. I think he got back to some of that, um, you know, let's let's take some weight off the knees. Let's take some pressure off the back, and let's, let's see if maybe we can't take another run at this for another year or two. I think the biggest offseason surprise for the Steelers, for me at least from the outside looking in, was Juju Smith-Schuster came back. Yeah. Did you expect Juju to be back after – Everything that happened last year, the dancing on the logos, the whole TikTok Corvette, craze Corvette. thing, you know, I did not see Juju coming back to this team, but he's back. What is the, you know, vibe around Juju being back with this team? Buddy, you're absolutely correct. Um, nobody thought Juju would be back. I don't think even Juju thought that he was going to be back, but this is another one of those, you know, a, a once in a lifetime, a once in a century pandemic, in case you missed it, did happen last year and still ongoing right now. <laughs> Get vaccinated, dorks. Facts. Um, but he, I think, was anticipating bigger offers being out there on the free agent market, l like everybody was, and they just weren't there. He wasn't the only one that, that didn't have that. Um, and I think particularly when you consider the backdrop of the Steelers have a lot of not first round guys, but a lot of high pedigree guys that they've drafted the wide receiver position recently. James Washington, second round pick. Chase Claypool, second round pick. Deontay Johnson, third round pick. I mean, those guys are not slouches. Those guys have proven that they can play on Sundays. I think everybody in Pittsburgh is really excited to watch Deontay and Chase Claypool this season, thinks that those guys can take another step forward, uh, particularly if there is a complimentary run game where defenses can't cue on the pass where the Steelers uh, offense isn't as one dimensional, isn't as predictable as they became at times last season. 
I think for, for all these reasons, and we all know, right, just a salary cap that was plateau, not even plateauing, a salary cap that was decreasing. Um, everyone thought, yeah, you know, wide receiver is a position of strength for the Steelers. We know their ability. You, you mentioned at the beginning of, of this uh, discussion here, the Steelers' ability to draft wide receivers is pretty well documented. Um, I think they do that position better than any other position on the team. Um, but it, it, I think it just came down to for Juju, the offer wasn't out there. So let's go back to Pittsburgh where you're comfortable, where you know the quarterback, where you know the offense. Let's try and run this thing back for one more season. And I'm sure the influence of Ben Roethlisberger helped on that too. Like I know Ben was very vocal. I want Juju back. I want Juju back. And I think that that's, that wasn't Ben blowing smoke. You look at last season, anytime the Steelers were in one of those moments, right, where they needed a first down, they needed to extend a drive, they needed uh, you know, to protect a lead or they needed to go down and score points to win a game, Juju was Ben's guy. He has been now for a few seasons. And in 2019, Ben only played six quarters of football before he, he threw out his elbow. But even kind of dating back to A-Bs last year in 2018, Juju has been Ben's guy for a long time. And I think there's something to be said for that, for for your, you know, for your security blanket, for uh, Craig Wolfley, who's a former Steelers offensive lineman that I work with and do radio, always calls it a whoopee, right? Every quarterback wants to have their whoopee. You know, Carson Wentz's whoopee was Zach Ertz. When, when everything else breaks down, that's the guy he's looking to. When it's third and seven and we got to have a first down, that's the guy he's looking to. Juju's been that guy for Ben. And I think when you are, there, there's been a real onus on the Steelers wanting to to, to gear this thing up for this season, that they hated the way that they finished last year. You know, they started 11-0, finished 1-4. and You lose at home to the Cleveland Browns for the first time in 19 years. They beat you in Pittsburgh, and it's in a playoff game. And, you know, you're down 21 nothing in the first quarter of that game right away. I just think it had left a bad taste in a lot of their mouths. You combine that with the fact that it feels like the last ride of Ben Roethlisberger uh, with also that, you know, it was a pandemic and teams weren't as willing to throw a bunch of money around in free agency. It all makes sense in hindsight. But yeah, uh, at the time, it, it was very surprising to see Juju come back to P Pittsburgh because that just kind of felt like a foregone conclusion that he was going to be able to get a bigger offer elsewhere and, and move on. Um, we'll see if that works to the, the benefit of the Steelers this season. And obviously, if Juju has a big year. Um, I mean, he'd still only be 24. He was 20. He just turned 20 when he got Insane. drafted. So it, it is crazy to think of like, um, like Justin Jefferson is, is older than Juju Smith Schuster and he just finished yeah. his rookie season and Juju's heading into his, his fifth year, um, fourth year. It, it is, it, it is crazy. Um, but I think if, if the Steelers have that type of season, if he has that type of season, he will position himself to hit the market next year and will receive that offer that, that there's just no way the Steelers can match that we, we thought would happen this past summer. And then on the flip side, like you have Bud Dupree leave and yeah. go to the Titans. Yeah. How much of a, a gut punch was that? And how much do you think this defense is going to miss what Bud Dupree brings to the field every Sunday? Big time going to miss him. I mean, him and TJ, I think, were the best pass rushing tandem in the National Football League, at least certainly last year. Um, and Bud, just a guy that was so good against the run as well, too. So underrated in that department. But that's another one, Kyle, that everyone knew was coming, you know, unlike Juju, it actually, it actually transpired just pass rushers in the national football league are a, a commodity. Um, and if you make it to free agency as a pass rusher in the NFL, somebody even coming off of a serious knee injury, like Bud Dupree was, somebody's going to offer you a lot of money. Um, I think the Steelers were able to accept that a little bit easier because Alex Highsmith had a really good year last year as a rookie. He played really well in the last five or six games of the season, filling in for Bud Dupree after that injury. Um, the Steelers were always high on him, confident on him. And I think they drafted him with, you know, in mind of having a developmental year. And then Bud Dupree moves on to the big, the big contract offer. And Alex Highsmith slides in as the guy. He had a sack against the Cowboys last night. I know it's only preseason, but that's still good to see. He's been very good. Uh, in training camp, Alex Ismith has uh, Dan Moore, who was the Steelers rookie uh, pick out of Texas A&M, an offensive tackle. I feel bad for him. Alex Ismith has just been abusing him every day at practice. Um, but then the Steelers go out and they sign Melvin Ingram as well, too. You know, a, a guy who until last year, when when he had a pretty serious injury, I think was kind of consensusly thought of as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Was a Pro Bowler for three straight seasons. He's had double digit sack seasons. Uh, even last year where he was injured the whole year, Kyle, I'm going to do this thing that we all do where we like to dump on pro football focus when it's convenient. And we like to use pro football focus when it's convenient as exactly. well. Too. They, they had him still through their, through pro football focuses like grading and metrics. 
They had him, uh, Melvin Ingram, still as having the 11th best win percentage of any edge rusher in the NFL last year. Um, but he only played seven games because of injuries. I think they'll be all right. Like I told you earlier, the Steelers now four straight years, it's an NFL record, have led the NFL in sacks. And they've done that a bunch of different ways. You know, the last couple years, it was TJ Watt and Bud Dupree coming off the ends like gangbusters and, and, and having double-digit sacks. But the first two years, it was more so Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt and blitzing from the interior. It was a lot of Vince Williams, who was the linebacker next to Ryan Shazier, who had seven or eight sacks in a season as an off-ball linebacker. It was a lot of Mike Hilton coming off the edge. He had six or seven sacks that year as a defensive back. The Steelers are going to find ways to get after the quarterback, whether it's just organically with our our Jimmys and Joes are better. Our Jimmys are better than your Joes, and, and here we come with with TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and some guys. Or if it's that you know we're going to out scheme you with some X's and O's and blitz from the secondary, blitz from our off ball linebackers. Um, it sucks to lose a guy like Bud Dupree for sure. He, he's a fantastic football player, um, but in terms of edge rushers and getting after the quarterback, that is something that, that I trust Mike Tomlin and company to, to be able to replicate well. Now the Eagles have a, a former stiller in the fold. I need to get, I need to get the oh, last yeah, analysis. Little Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson. What are, what are Eagles fans getting uh, with their new CB2 and what can we expect Steve, from Steven Nelson playing, you know, opposite of uh, Darius Slay, who might be the best uh, yeah. free agent recruiter of all time. Yeah, seriously. I, I think it's a great move. Now, I need to preface this. You know, around this same time last year, I was doing some some podcast stuff with you, doing some stuff with WIP. And tell us about Javon Hargrave. And I was singing <laughs> Javon Hargrave's praises. I was like, this is a guy. You know, he's been chomping at the bit behind Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. He's going to finally get his opportunity. He's outstanding. He's versatile. You guys are going to love him. And last year didn't quite go the greatest. Apparently he's in great. He's in, quote, unquote, best shape of his life. Ah, there we go, which we know is always. Now, Kyle, tell me, is he the first one in practice and the last one to exactly. leave? Exactly. Then, then we're really going to be touching them all. Um, but Steven Nelson, I think, particularly considering the price point, one-year, $4 million deal, great business for the Eagles. Um, he is a he is a high end number two. That that that's what Steven Nelson is. In 2019, he was outstanding. He was better than Joe Hayden. Last year wasn't quite as good as he was in 2019, but was still very effective. Um, he's he's versatile, Kyle. Like a lot of these defensive backs, like the Richard Sherman thing, right? We we had a lot of people in Pittsburgh until he got arrested like a week or two ago that would tweet us that would call our show. Richard Sherman's still out there. Richard Sherman's still out there. Richard Sherman's still out there. Richard Sherman can't play man coverage. He He's the best zone corner I've mm -hmm. ever seen in my life, but he can't play man coverage. It, it's not going to work. There, there are a lot of guys like that in the NFL for defensive backs that are very scheme-oriented. Like, they're a zone guy or they're a man-to-man -man guy, and they have to go to a defense that caters to their skill set. Steven Nelson is the opposite of that. He's very good in man. He's very good in zone. He, You can line him up on the outside. That's where he's most effective, but he's played in the slot. He's played in nickel rolls as well, too, for the Steelers. Versatility is the word that comes to mind. He he is he is a high end number two. He could do a lot of different things that you that you want to ask him to do. He doesn't have to be pigeonholed into a certain area. He is kind of that jack of all trades. The one thing that I will say about him though that will drive you nuts is he had five interceptions the last two years for the Steelers. Three in 2019, two in 2020. And on the surface, hey, five interceptions over two years for your defensive back, that's pretty good. You'll take that. That, that five number should have been more like nine or ten. Um, he is always in the right position, but his ball-playing instincts aren't the greatest. Like, there'll be a few times where you'll be like, ah, come on, Steven, you got to have that interception there. Um, you know, when he had five interceptions over the last two years, like I said, should have maybe been more like eight, nine, or ten. But if that's my biggest knock on him, I think that's a good place to be. He, he plays cornerback, not wide receiver, right? That's why. Doesn't have the greatest hands, <laughs> doesn't have the greatest ball-playing instincts. But like I said, I think he is a high-end number two. I think for the, the contract that the Eagles gave him, it is so low risk, high reward. He's only 28 years old, so you don't you still think he has another two, three good seasons left in him. And like I said, Kyle, whatever the Eagles want him to do, if they want him to line up on the outs, if they want, hey, Slay's going to take the number one, you're going to take the number two, and then we're going to figure out everything else around you, he'll be perfect at that. If you're going to tell him, hey, Slay's going to take the number one, and we want you to do X, Y, and Z, he's got the versatility to do so. I think it was a very good signing, and, and, and like I said, especially when you consider the price point, too, for the Eagles, I think he's going to have a productive year in the, in the role that they're going to ask him to play. 
And was he just kind of like a cap casualty for he you was. guys? Yeah, he I should have. I should have added that as well too. He was purely a cap casualty. Um, if the Steelers could have kept him, they would have. But I think they just, you know, when when you're paying a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, the type of money that you're paying Ben Roethlisberger, when you re-sign Juju, you know, when when you've got this T.J. Watt contract that I have a feeling is going to be announced here in the next week or two. Um, and you still need to sign Minka Fitzpatrick, and, and you want to keep some things together on the offensive side of the football. It was purely a a cap casualty decision. Yeah, if, if the Steelers could have, if the Steelers could have got him at four million dollars, they would have kept him um, for sure. So yeah, it wasn't any. He hasn't been a problem off the field. He bad teammate. None of that stuff. It was just you know how that works in the NFL. Sometimes you got to make those tough decisions of yeah, we like this player, but maybe we don't quite like him at this price point. Um, and, and that's all that it was with Steven Nelson, purely a, a cap casualty. Now, Steelers playing against the Eagles will be their second preseason game. Do you expect Mike Tomlin and company to kind of roll out a little bit more, you know, regular season type of, of playbook to kind of get things rolling with some of these guys that might see a little bit more extended playing time than they did against the Cowboys? Yeah, so obviously a lot of the veterans, I mean, Roethlisberger didn't play, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Joe Hayden. Um, Stephon Tewitt, a lot of the veteran guys didn't play last night or didn't play on Thursday night for the Steelers, I should say. Um, I think that'll change a little bit, but I wouldn't expect – I still don't know if Ben Roethlisberger plays. I still don't know if, you know, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and those guys play. Um, you'll see Najee Harris, I would think for sure. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw um, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, but I just – with the Steelers being fortunate enough to have four preseason games, Kyle, um, in the year that it that it goes to three, I think that they'll treat it like a normal pre. You know, like you would see the normal four games. I, I really don't think a lot of those veteran guys will get much work until the third preseason game, um, which for the Steelers would be like the second week of normal preseason. I think everyone gets what I'm saying there. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think you will see more of guys like Terrell Edmonds and Melvin Ingram who didn't play against the Cowboys, uh, maybe even a Devin Bush type, but it's still, they, they want that evaluation period. I think particularly after last season, you know, no real off season. There was no mini camp. There was no training camp was what, like two weeks for these NFL mm -hmm. teams. There was no preseason. I think even for a lot of these second year guys, like I would expect someone like Anthony McFarland Jr. to get a lot of reps for the Steelers at running back. He's a second-year guy. They drafted him out of Maryland. They were really high on him, but he was kind of up and down his rookie year. And again, he had no real off-season programs. They've been putting him through a lot this year to try and kind of test him, see what they can get out of him. That's what I expect. I, I expect a lot of the young guys to still try and get those reps on tape. Um, Jameer Jones is an outside linebacker who I think will play a lot. He's out of Notre Dame. He's been turning heads. Rico Bussey a wide receiver who, you know, we kind of discussed wide receivers. It feels like the Steelers are really set at wide receiver. I mean, you've got Juju, you've got Deontay, Chase Claypool, James Washington. Those four are set in stone. And then Ray Ray McLeod, your return guy. So it feels like he's the fifth. Um, Rico Bussey, though, is a name that has been just uh, maybe Travis Flugham style, if you will, lighting things up out of nowhere for the Steelers. Um, but can he make the team? Was, can he be good enough to – to you know, for the Steelers to justify keeping six wide receivers instead of five, I still think they're going to be working on all those kind of questions. As much as I would like to see uh, Ben Roethlisberger maybe play a series or two, see some of those veteran guys out there, Kyle. I think it's going to be more of the more of the unknown names that are uh, taking up the spotlight out there at the link uh, in a, in a few days. And the nice thing is Alshon Jeffrey's gone for the Eagles, so maybe Travis Fulgham can actually show what he can actually do. There we go. There we go. I love it. I always love it. The uh, Alshon Jeffries, right? That was always uh. my favorite. That's my one of the few things. I guess there are, honestly. There's a lot of similarities between just people in, in Philadelphia oh, and Pittsburgh. Totally. Certainly more than like both cities would like to admit. And I can say this because I, I lived in both places. Yeah. But that is the, the throwing S's on the end of everybody's the name. S's, is, is the, that's, the, for, the, oh, the buddy, forgetting is, letters when you're spelling our, it. Our Pennsylvania brethren, we do that in lockstep together. Yeah, Stephon Toots is going to be out there playing. Ah, that Ben Roethlisberger's. Hey, you guys see T.J. Watts out there? Yeah, we, we love the Alshon Jeffries. Just throw an S on the end of everything. Or to go baseball, you just go full Howard Eskin and you call Andrew McCutcheon Lawrence McCutcheon. Lawrence McCutcheon. Yeah, that's right. I was very, by the way, I was very disappointed. I went to the uh, the Pirates-Phillies game on Sunday, and of course that was the one in the series that Andrew McCutcheon didn't play. Eh, just my luck. Of course. Of course just, he gets injured in Pittsburgh. Just, just, just <laughs> my luck. Um. 
you know, with this game too, there's a lot of, of course, quarterback controversy with the Eagles. Um, what are you expecting to see, you know, with this Eagles team, first time rolling out new coaching staff, yeah. you know, a bunch of turnover this offseason. Jalen Hurts, don't know if he'll play, um, but I'm excited if he does. And then obviously you get to see your old pal Joe Flacco. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Oh yeah, Joe <laughs> Flacco. So we used to do this thing um, when when he was still in Baltimore, and when I came back to Pittsburgh in 2018. Um, this real like we had this Adam Sandler. You could steal this if you want at any point. But anytime the broad, you know, anytime like Joe Buck would say Joe Flacco, or anytime one of the broadcasters would say Joe Flacco, I don't know why, but my boss would do this this like Adam Sandler, this like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. Oh, Joe Flacco, going to get sacked. Oh, you know, so feel free to use that. If, That's if incredible. You, if you need to. Oh, Joe Flacco, here comes a sacko. <laughs> <laughs> but I listen, I, you know me too. I'm always keeping an eye on the Eagles. I mean, I, you know, I, I worked for, for the flagship station for three seasons. I was there when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was a cool memory that I will always hold near and dear to my my heart being a part of the, the WIP broadcast team for, you know, the first Super Bowl in Philly. It was just insane. It was so much fun. My wife is still obviously a huge Philadelphia sports fan. My in-laws have had Eagles season tickets since the seventies. So I, I, I keep an eye on, on the birds out there for sure. And obviously a lot, a lot of friends on Twitter and things like that who keep me in the loop as well, buddy. I'm just interested to see like from a culture standpoint, almost if the Eagles have that reset, right? It, it felt like things changed so quickly for the Eagles over the last year or two from winning the Super Bowl in 18, right? It, it, well, it was 17-18 season. It was in 18. It was a 17 mm-hmm. season, but in 18, right? Then the next year, you go to Chicago and win a playoff game and double doink, right? It, it felt like it was a, a new normal, honestly, that, that the Eagles, okay, as long as they got Doug, as long as they got Carson, and they can relatively keep this thing together, they're going to contend. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have a shot every single year. And boy, buddy, did that do a full 180 real quickly, right? Like all the stuff with Carson Wentz, all the stuff with Doug Peterson, from Howie Roseman and, 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 and the ownership with, with Mr. Lurie, right? It just, it seemed like something was off there. And I, I know you guys know that, but even me, you know, being, being five hours away, like mm-hmm. it just felt like something was off. Doug Peterson's gone. Carson Wentz is gone. There's been a lot of turnover, it feels like, both within front office coaching staff and within the roster. I'm just interested to see if, if Sirianni, because he does look, if he can coach, he's going to be great because man, it, it really does seem like he does. He does so many things that I like. Now we all know that it comes down to, you can be the greatest guy. You could be a good mentor, all these things. You got to be able to coach. You got to be able to game plan and win on Sundays, but I'll be very interested to see if, if there can just be that cultural reset, right? Because I still do think that that roster is talented. I, I really did not as talented as it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's still a lot of really good football players. I mean, in the trenches, I mean, you, you, and I know they're getting longer in the tooth, but you look at the Lane Johnsons and the Kelseys. I mean, there's still a ton of talent there. You look at the defense, right? You talk about Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox. Like, there, there is still a lot of talent, kind of the the foundation, I think, of that team is still there, right? Now, you you got to interior decorate. you got to go around, and, and you've got to fill some things out. But I think if the Eagles can have a cultural reset, if they can get back to a lot of the – the camaraderie that seemed to work so well for them in 17 and 18, where it was the underdogs and everyone was on the same page and everyone was in it together. If they can get back to some of that and, and, you know, away from some of that noise and some of what felt like drama, just permeating the organization the last year or two, I think they're going to be just fine. And I think they will be even a lot of fun to watch play depending on how good Hertz is. But I mean, the division is wide open, right? Who in the division scares you? Not the Cowboys. It's certainly not Mr. Let's one run wind sprints for an hour, Joe Judge. Uh, the football team, I think, has a chance to be all right. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach, um, and they've kind of got some things working in their uh, direction too. 
But I think the Eagles could surprise people this year. Maybe I'm just doing the blind optimist thing because, like, I'm not emotionally tied up in the team, and I, I do like to see them do well. Um, you know, it makes my wife happy, makes my in-laws happy. But <laughs> I, I, I do think if, if they can get a little bit of a cultural reset, if Sirianni can coach, I still think that they've got a talented roster, certainly one enough to make some noise and maybe even win that division this year. I think the thing that, that really like got me juiced up for this week is there was a clip from training camp with Sirianni yelling at Jalen Rager, and everybody knows he needs to be yelled at, uh, telling me telling him to, you know, he's got to run faster. Uh, you told that's me right. you were going to run a 4-3 at the combine. Let's see that speed. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. I mean, all of a sudden, it feels like there's some real playmakers there. And I know Devonta Smith got banged up this past week, and I'm sure everyone is is keeping an eye on that and concerned about that. But, man, w- with with Jalen Hurts and his skill set combined with with Reger and Smith, that just – I mean, that's where the NFL is moving, right? It it feels a lot like kind of what the Bills had cooking with, mm-hmm. with Diggs and with Allen, uh, maybe a little bit of what we've seen at times with the Cardinals, you know, with Kyler Murray and with Hopkins and those guys. Like, that – they have guys that fit the skill set of what you want in your modern, your prototypical 2021 NFL offense. I They're very intriguing. Like, if I were to make a list of the most three or four intriguing teams in the NFL this year, the Eagles would definitely be high on that list. Because, yeah, if if they win six or seven games, I won't be shocked. But if they win ten games, I wouldn't be shocked either. I think there's a re- there's a real big gap there between what the floor could be and what the ceiling could be. You know, a lot of these teams, it feels like, the gap isn't really that great. You know, best case scenario, you win 10 or 11 games. Worst case scenario, you lose or you win eight or nine. You know, like it feels like some of those teams, like I kind of think that's where the Steelers are. Like I don't think there's a lot of, I don't see them being terrible. I don't see them winning 11 straight games like they did last year either. I think realistically, they're probably a 9, 10, 11 win team now with the, with the extra game. 9, 10, 11 win team. I don't think there's a huge, I don't see them winning 13 games. I don't see them winning six games. It's the opposite with the Eagles. I mean, there's there's a really high ceiling, yeah. but I think there's a pretty low floor too, and and that will be that'll be intriguing to watch it play out. Now I got to ask you too, because uh, the Yinzers are king right now in the sports media world. How <laughs> much do you enjoy seeing, you know, from a media perspective, Pat having McAfee. Pat McAfee get you know Steelers guys and just guys across the NFL to kind of like get their perspective, and they seem so comfortable because they're talking to a former player. I know yeah. I love when, you know, Lane Johnson's on there or any Eagles player hops on with McAfee. What's it like for you guys in, in Steelers Nation seeing Steelers guys hop on with a Yinzer? Well, it's great, and he's been doing some stuff with the Steelers. Like, he did some draft stuff a few months ago um, with Cam Hayward, I think. Like, the two of them were doing videos and previewing and talking about certain guys and things like that. I, I absolutely love it. And I think even more so, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm wearing the, the WV hat right now. Like for me to have a, a not only a, a Yinzer brethren, but also somebody who went to WVU and is a huge part of, uh, of, of Mountaineer athletics as well, too. It's like the best of both worlds for me. Um, Pittsburgh has felt like it's needed somebody on. And, and there's there's Pittsburgh guys that are mm-hmm. and, and women. I mean, Joy Taylor is, is, you know, one of the biggest people on Fox and she is born and raised Yinzer. She graduated from Woodland Hills, not far down the road from here. You know, there's, there's people out there with, I mean, Dave Wanstat is, is on television often. Bill Cower is on television often. Um, but to have it be someone who is, you know, relatively our age, like from our, from our mm-hmm. generation group who, who likes to party and likes to drink beers and loves football. And it's just does radio and media like we do it right. We're, we're not in the old school sense of like, this is newspaper articles and everything's got to be serious. And I've got to, opine my opinion and i've got to tell you why this team is better than that team and why i'm right and hey let's go to the phones it's and hey let's go to the phone lines for some reaction it's just fun it's just conversational it's like it's like you're sitting there having a beer you know shooting the breeze with your buddies that's what people want that's where sports talk and sports media is moving to i mean hell we're gonna have eli we're gonna have eli and peyton manning shooting the breeze on Monday night football. And I was watching Peyton Manning when he was on the broadcast last night. They were asking him about that. They were like, that's a pretty cool opportunity, isn't it? And he was like, "Ah, it's going to be low key. We're just going to sit on the couch. We're going to talk football. We're going to watch Monday. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, he has no idea. He has no idea. That's going to take off like crazy. Mm -hmm. Fans are, what are they, what would they rather have? Joe Tess and company, like breaking (laughs) down the game with a magnifying glass. Or would they rather have the Manning brothers shooting the breeze, laughing, telling stories, telling jokes about, oh, when I played with this player, oh, when I had this coach, 
Like, they're going to be shot. Like, Peyton Manning seemed like he thought it was going to be a very low-key, like, ah, a couple people will watch. Like, no, dude, it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow up. That's where all this is moving. Like, that, people are tired of the wear a suit and tie to the press conference media coverage. That's just not our generation. It's me and you with hats and T-shirts yep. and, and, and having fun and not taking things so seriously. Like, it's sports. It's supposed to be fun. I know you get that in Philly. We get that here in Pittsburgh, too, the – 50, 60, 70 year old curmudgeon media guys who fight on Twitter all the time about uh, X player being better than Y player. Like, that's just, that's not how our generation does it. And that's where all this stuff is moving. And I think Pat McAfee has been a huge catalyst of that. Obviously, he didn't start it, but he was one of the first, I think, very visible young ex athletes to be doing things this way, to be jumping off of boats on college game day on Saturdays, right? Um, and yeah, for me to have him not only you know, grow up 20 minutes from where I grew up, but to also have him repping, uh, repping my alma mater as well, too. It's pretty sweet, man. It is. And before we uh, we get in the game, I'm, I'm adding this element to it. You're, you're a veteran of Eagles enemies. You've I been am. on since the first episode. You were the first episode. Uh, so knowing you, I got to add in some just fun flair questions. Number one, which Steelers player would you want to go to a Dead & Company concert with? Now, see, that changes because, like, I was when you said which Steeler, I thought, here comes like the drink of beer question, right? <laughs> and my answer would be Joey Porter, just so I could hear him scream, Hurrah! 37 times. Um, but a dead and company concert. Oh, man. And that's got to be Troy Polamalu, right? I mean, just, just West Coast vibes, long hair. I got to think Troy Polamalu owns a couple tie dye shirts. Um, Maybe, hey, hey, maybe Troy even likes to dabble with a little THC from time to time. Maybe Troy even likes to take vitamins from time to time. Um, Troy feels like a good one. Uh, Terry Bradshaw feels like another guy who I, I know he's like a big classic rock guy. He would have just a fantastic time. Cool. I'm trying to think if there's like a big hippie or somebody that I like, is there a Bill Walton of the Steelers? I don't think, that, <laughs> I, I don't think there is. So I'm, I'm going to go with Troy Polamalu because he's probably about as close to Bill Walton in, in the other avenues as you could get. That's a good question though, Kyle. I like that. I'm going to have to think about that one. And then the other one, because I know you and I are both big star Wars guys, which Steelers player would you love to see make one of those fun star Wars cameos? Whether it's live oh, action man. or their voice in like a bad batch or a, a clone wars esque. Oh man. Now does it does it have to be mo- like does it have to be current or can I go with any within- stealer? Okay. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go with Santonio San Holmes. Oh I like that. I'm gonna go with Santonio San Holmes. Funny guy, active guy. He is a big like pop culture fan. He's around a lot. Um, I even think like a couple times he took lightsabers um, to, to training camp and things like that. I think San Antonio Holmes would be a good one. And here's why, too. I think he's kind of the perfect level of notoriety, right? Like there's like if, if you pick somebody who's super popular, their cameo in the show, it's going to like you almost want somebody who can fly under the radar. A little yeah. bit, right. Where you're sitting there and you're like watching the episode. And you, Wait a second. Is that? Is that you, pu- you pull the Leo meme? Wait, is that what? Is that Fletcher Cox sitting at the bar there? And, and, and like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what you want. Like, everyone's going to know when it's Allen Iverson sitting at the bar there, right? But maybe you go with somebody who could fly under the radar a little bit more. Um, San Antonio, I thought about Plexico Burris because he's kind of built like a Star Wars character in a lot of ways. A little bit. <laughs> uh, but San Antonio Holmes is the answer. Super Bowl MVP, one of, the, one of the really famous Super Bowl moments in the NFL, went to Ohio State, big school. But I think it could still fly under the radar enough that people would notice and be like, oh, yeah, that's San Antonio. But there would also be like the people who would see it on Twitter and be like, yeah, wait a second. I got to go back and watch that. I like that pick a lot because, like you said, it's the notoriety thing. Like people know San Antonio Holmes. But then, like, if you were out on the street and you walk by San Antonio Holmes, I don't think 10 out of 10 people would realize he's not as recognizable as Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster or even like because of his height and everything, Plexico Burris. Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm going with San Antonio Holmes. Finally. I like it. I like it. Uh, expectations for this game. What's your, you know, what are some things that you're looking at from this Steelers team yeah. going up against this young Eagles team and a lot of change uh, that are just probably going to be throwing a vanilla, you know, playbook out there right. since it's their first time out on the field. But what are some things you're looking at from this game 
to take away heading into the 2021 season? Well, the continued, I mean, the biggest thing for the preseason from a Steelers perspective has been the the, the number two quarterback battle, right? Uh, you've got Mason Rudolph, who's been with the organization now, who has won you some games, who's been a starter uh, during 2019 when, when Ben wasn't, or when Ben wasn't available, when Ben was injured. He's shown flashes of, of a lot of good. He's shown flashes of a lot of bad. Then you've got Dwayne Haskins, right? Recent first round pick, comes from Washington, some turmoil there. Can he live up to that pedigree? He's a little bit younger than Mason. How does that play into this? Obviously not as familiar with the offense and what he's being asked to do as Mason is. That QB battle has, has been a huge story. And because obviously the under the backdrop of like, could one of these guys be the starter after Ben Roethlisberger or the Steelers going to have to go shopping when that time comes? That is still going to be something to look at. And I think even Josh Dobbs in that conversation too, uh, who ends up being the Steelers' number two quarterback? Who do they keep behind Ben Roethlisberger? Who's the odd man out? Um, kind of similar for running backs, I guess, too. Najee Harris is going to be the guy, uh, but could it be Anthony McFarlane is the number two? Could it be Benny Snell is the number two? Um, could it be Kalen Balaj is the number two? A lot of, lot of depth, you know, a lot of depth chart things will be what I'm looking for uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. And then two other guys, I mentioned Rico Bussey, the wide receiver that I think has been very impressive, but it feels like at best he's their sixth best wide receiver. Is that enough for them to justify keeping him? And then Jameer Jones, he's he's another one who I mentioned. He's an edge rusher out of Notre Dame. He was an undrafted guy. And it just weird to me, like he was a five-star recruit in high school, very productive, went to Notre Dame. Obviously, big program was very productive, but still ended up undrafted. Those type of guys always kind of, you know, make me make me want to give him a, a second look. He has splashed at times during training camp. I thought he made a couple nice plays against the Cowboys. I want to see if he can continue that because it's it's one thing to be able to have a really nice day at training camp and you make some plays and everyone's talking about you. Then the next day you go out there and what'd you do? You know, it's one thing to, oh, you, you have a good preseason performance against the Cowboys. People are talking about you. Then you go out the next preseason game and you're you're invisible. You don't make as much plays. Um, so I'll be keeping an eye on Jameer Jones, Rico Bussey. Like I said, some quarterback and running back uh, depth chart stuff as well, too. And then here's one that people can keep an eye on easily, Kyle. Um, punters. All right. The Steelers drafted Presley Harvin III out of Georgia Tech. He was the Ray Guy Award winner, which is the college football award for best punter. They drafted him in the seventh round of the draft. And, buddy, I mean, this guy just booms punts. It's unbelievable. When he punts in training camp, like you can hear it. It sounds like a shotgun almost going off. And last night he had two great punts against the Cowboys. In that game against the Cowboys, just two great punts. Can he continue to – like it's one of those things where the punter, it's hard to kind of stand out, but he has to this point uh, had a great punt that just died at the one-yard line against the Cowboys in that Hall of Fame game. So those are some of the things I'll be keeping eyes on. Depth competitions uh, – is this rookie punter really as good as we think he can be? And and then, like I said, I'll be I'll be watching for some some Eagles stuff as well too. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly, a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Well, Wes, it's always a pleasure to have our uh, our yearly yeah, uh, conversation, but uh, let everybody know where they can check you out on the old radio and yes, uh, all your Stillers coverage on social media. Yep. So um, I I'm on I'm on Twitter at Wesley Euler. If you're if you're looking for uh, you know some views from across the state, you can always follow me there. Um, I do shows for for iHeartRadio here in Pittsburgh. So for ESPN Pittsburgh and for Steelers Nation Radio, um, I'm on with Arthur Motes, who's former Steelers and Bills linebacker, noon to two every single day. Um, we do our uh, you know it's a Steelers football only show on on the Steelers Radio Network from noon to two. And then I do a solo show from two until five uh, for three hours on ESPN Pittsburgh as well, where I mean, primarily talking football, but we do we do every we do hockey, we do baseball, Olympics, all everything. Um, so you kind of get your fictions there. Noon to two, uh, football talk on Steelers Nation Radio, and then two to five, I'm solo talking everything on ESPN Pittsburgh. How is it working with Arthur Motes? Dude, the best. The, the absolute best reminds me of a, a, a lot of Ike Reese in, in Philly. Honestly, just kind as could. I mean, you, you you're very hard pressed to find a kinder human being. 
always comes correct with the energy, right? Like I think I'm a high energy guy and I can get loud and excited, but Moats is like, he's even another level than me. And Kyle, I know you'll appreciate this. Like a lot of ex-athletes, I mean, you know, this is a guy who played nine years in the NFL. Like a lot of those guys, they just kind of, when they're doing radio or they're doing TV, they just show up, you know, like my experience, my stories, they'll get me through. I'll be fine. I don't need to do much prep work. I don't need to do much anything like that. Moats is the opposite. Like we, we come in to do our shows and he's like, Hey man, I want to talk about this, this, and this today. And what do you think about like, he, he hosts the show once a week. So we have Tuesdays, we call it Moats host Tuesdays. Like he sits in the captain's chair and he hosts the show. Like he does all the lining up the guests and the getting the audio for our producers and all that stuff. Like he drives the bus and does all the legwork on Tuesdays. So it's a lot of fun. Nice as could be energetic as could be. And, and really just approaches it with, with no ego. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I can ride his coattails to some greatness here in the years to come. Well, you're crushing it out in the Berg, man. It's always a pleasure Thanks, buddy. Uh, chatting with you and being the first guest on Eagles Enemies. It's always Woo! a must to have listen, you on when the listen, Birds play the Steelers. When you guys are getting inducted into Canton, you know, 20 years from now, <laughs> don't forget who that first guest is. Hey, At least let me be your presenter, all right? You will have that front row seat behind us on the stage, like the Hall of Fame in Canton. They have everybody behind <laughs> everyone. You'll be up on the stage with us for That's sure. That's right. I'll even wear midnight green, baby. I'll do it. Hey, you've done it before. So. I, I certainly have. <laughs> uh, this has been our first episode of 2021 for Eagles Enemies, part of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Big thanks to my man, Wes Euler for hopping on, and we will catch you guys next week. Go Birds. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds. Oh, 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 oh,